Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully. gospel reading this morning is from Luke, the eighth chapter. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out 
sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I've told you before that I try to keep a balance in the news reports that I read and I listen to. Most days I usually read reports from NPR, which is probably one of the most liberal news sources, and I read news reports from Drudge Report, which is one of the more conservative media sources. Every evening I usually read news reports from the BBC that gives me a perspective from outside the Washington, D.C. media. And I also read and watch stories from West Virginia Metro News for West Virginia State News and WTAP for local news. And plus, I read stories from Science News Service. But there's one thing that's common in all, and I mean all, of these news services. They play up the news stories that strike fear into our hearts. They tell us the outrageous and the scary, the dangerous things that are happening or have already happened. Each of the services, even science news, has a political point of view. Some are more blatant than others, some are more subtle. But a regular reading of or watching of these stories from different sources helps to really bring out the difference in the political point of view between the different stories. Yet, you know, they all traffic in generating fear because fear is what brings us back to watch the next day. Really scary stories bring us back to watch breaking news for hours upon end. It's fear that brings us back. But folks, there is good news out there. Some of it's in faraway places and some of it's close to home. All the news you see is not bad. Good news begats the good news. In Nepal, a friend of mine has planted 25 churches so far with 800 people worshiping Christ in this Hindu-Buddhist nation. They're trying to reach all 77 districts of Nepal with a church in each one. And their orphanage now has 14 children, which they support for about $85 a month each. I also thought that you'd like to know that last Sunday David Daniel preached at two churches out on Route 50. Brooks Lehman preached at a couple other churches down south near, near Buffalo. Our son Andy's churches in Mill Creek and Beverly, at those four churches, two men who had never preached before, each preached at two different churches. A child was baptized in Wesley Chapel in Buchanan and a group of people were baptized at Sutton Dam. You didn't read about this in the news, did you? You didn't hear about it. Also, this week, this past week, a young boy whose mother was in drug recovery when I knew both of them at another church, he made straight A's all year in the seventh grade with comments made by the teachers about his great attitude. This is the result of a good church-based 12-step program for the mother, 
a wonderful church-going aunt who cared about the boy and an excellent church's children's program and its effect upon a youngster that once was extreme risk of falling through the cracks. These are the types of stories that don't get on the national news media because they're the sorts of stories that don't generate enough fear to bring back viewers and glue our eyeballs to the screens. But these are the sorts of stories that have the potential to change the world, changing it gradually for the better because certain people listen to the teachings of Jesus Christ and the whisper of the Holy Spirit. You know, Dave Daniel's not here today. You know why? Because he's preaching at two other churches today. Let's hear another story of good news, though, from a time when everything looked evil and bleak in Israel. Elijah the prophet was a thorn in the side of King Ahab of Israel. Ahab had married Jezebel, who was a priestess of the false god Baal and daughter of the king of Lebanon. Worse yet, Ahab began to worship Baal. And he set up Asherah poles, phallic symbols, where fertility rites were performed. Because of the king's support for Baal worship, many people in Israel bowed on their knees before Baal and kissed figurines of Baal in worship. So Elijah came from the village of Tishbe. It's a small village on the east side of the Jordan in Gilead. He came one day, strode into Ahab's court, and declared that as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there would be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And that was that for the next three years. A drought and a famine hid Israel. And Elijah hid from Ahab for the next three years, mostly living alone. And eventually God, though, sent Elijah to speak again to Ahab. Elijah had Ahab bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah to Mount Carmel, where there was held a battle of the gods in front of thousands of people of Israel. The 850 false prophets tried to ask Baal to light a fire on their altar for hours, for hours, and nothing happened. Elijah then called upon God, who sent a lightning bolt to light his altar. And in the excitement, Elijah had the people of Israel kill all the evil prophets. And then God let it rain again. However, Jezebel heard what had happened, and she declared that she'd have Elijah killed in revenge. So Elijah, he ran for the southern desert wilderness. It was over 100 miles away. He had no food and little water, and he sent away his servant. And then the stress and the fear and the exhaustion got to him. He came to a bush in the desert, and he prayed for God to take his life like a failure, running from Jezebel and her soldiers. The adrenaline had left him. He was exhausted, and he was alone in the desert. He crawled under that bush and fell asleep. How many times has the stress of our lives gotten to us? How many times have we felt like giving up, simply telling God, it's too much, take me now? How often have we been alone, out of money, worn out, exhausted from expecting the next shoe to drop, waiting for the end. In the wonderful book, Watership Down, the author Richard Adams tells the story 
of some rabbits that migrate a few miles in England to establish a new rabbit colony. And Adams created a new word to describe the state of a rabbit who was so scared and so exhausted that he couldn't move, especially when an automobile was coming straight toward him. And the word was thorn. And it perfectly describes Elijah's condition after running for 100 miles for his life, especially after the great adrenaline rush of the battle of the gods on Mount Carmel. Once in a while, we become thorn. The stress, the exhaustion, the worry have taken away all of our energy and our ability to think. We weep, we lay down, we want to be alone, we can't really do anything except sleep. But then worry keeps us awake until we just fall asleep from exhaustion and we stay there sleeping until noon. Some people call this depression, others call it burnout, still others call it a nervous breakdown, but the reality is it is us trying to handle things, to handle stress, trying to live life and avoid danger all by ourselves. And so we become thorn. An angel touched Elijah, brought him back from his thorn condition. The angel said, get up and eat. And the man looked around and there was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. No arguments from Elijah. He ate and drank and he laid down again. God had sent Elijah exactly what Elijah needed. He needed someone to show him that he was not alone. Elijah didn't know what he needed, but God and the angel did. No advice today, simply helping Elijah with what Elijah needed physically. Rest, food, and drink. This past week, suffering from COVID, I was thorn. I awoke and I drank some water and I ate some food and that was enough. I fell back asleep for a few hours. It seemed like I had a timer built in. Awaken, drink water, eat food and go back to sleep. About two to three hours awake and then about two to three hours asleep. In the desert, the angel came back a second time and touched Elijah. Get up and eat for the journey's too much for you. Now the angel showed Elijah compassion this time, reminding him that it's okay to stop and rest sometimes, for our bodies and our souls can only take so much stress, so much adrenaline, so much effort without help. But the angel fixed him food and drink the second time. And now Elijah could get up and continue his journey. In fact, strengthened by that food and the knowledge that someone cared for him, he traveled another 40 days and nights until he reached Mount Horeb in the desert, which is likely another name for Mount Sinai. Elijah found a cave on the mountain, and there he spent the night. Then the Lord spoke to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? And you can hear the frustration in Elijah's answer. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah's loneliness comes through. He believes that he is the only man who listens to God and speaks for him. The altars have been destroyed. Everyone else has deserted God, and Elijah 
has been deserted too. Despite the great battle victory on top of Mount Carmel, Elijah felt that all was lost. And sometimes, you know, we think that the world around us is crumbling, falling apart as the leaders and the ordinary people of the world turn to other gods. We hear talk that churches are closing, even being destroyed in some countries. We hear and see the commandments being broken daily by many people, and there's no punishment. Instead, people are punished for being zealous Christians, and in some countries are killed for it. Just last week, there was a church in Nigeria that was bombed and shot up, and the priest was even kidnapped. Over 50 people were killed. And sometimes, you know, we feel that we're the only person who cares. Everyone else would be just as happy for the churches to close and the Christians to disappear. But God, the Lord Yahweh, needed to show Elijah and us something. God told Elijah to go outside the cave and stand on the mountain, for God was about to pass by. A huge wind shattered the rocks, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then there was a great fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire came a gentle whisper, and when Elijah heard the whisper, he stood in the mouth of the cave, and a voice spoke to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? For you see, the powerful events were caused by the Lord, but this was not the essence of who the Lord God Yahweh was and is. The Lord could shatter rocks. He could move the earth. He could destroy with fire. But this is what God could do, not what God was and is. The gentle whisper expressed the compassionate personality of the Lord God Yahweh. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, as he had before, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And what did God say back to him? Did God tell Elijah, well, give up? Did God tell Elijah to say magical words which would destroy Jezebel and Ahab? Did God tell Elijah to take a vacation? No, none of the above. The Lord God said to Elijah, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. Not only was Elijah supposed to walk back into Israel, but he was to walk through Israel, past Israel, clear to Damascus, which was on the other side of Israel in the far northeast. Go back home. Travel through the land of your enemies and do what God asks on the other side. Implicit in that command to go to Damascus is the idea that God will be with Elijah as he journeys back through the desert. Through the land of Israel where Jezebel and Ahab's soldiers are still waiting for him, still searching for Elijah, God would be with Elijah, protecting him, sustaining him, and walking beside him as he went through that evil place until Elijah had completely traveled through that evil land. God sent Elijah back into the battle just now with the knowledge that Elijah was not alone. We are not to hide out as Christians, but we are to go back into the world, no matter how evil it is, 
with God beside us. And then when Elijah made it through Israel to the desert of Damascus, he was to anoint Hazael as the king over Aram, the name given to the land which had Damascus as its capital. And finally, after further instructions about setting up strong leaders, those who would destroy and succeed Ahab as king of Israel, God told Elijah these comforting words. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. 7,000. Elijah was not alone. There were 7,000 faithful worshipers of the Lord God still in Israel. And that's what we must always remember. No matter how lonely we get as Christians, how tired and exhausted we are, how badly it seems that the government, the media, and ordinary people are against Christian belief, God always reserves a remnant, a group of people with integrity who know what is truth, what is right, and what is the way. Well, nearly a thousand years later, Jesus and his disciples sailed to the land of the Ten Cities, the land on the southeastern side of the Lake of Galilee. This was not a Jewish area, for the people here raised pigs. Here they were met by a demon-possessed man who lived among the tombs. He was naked. He was homeless. In front of the disciples and other witnesses, Jesus commanded the demon to leave the man, and the demon inside the man recognized Jesus and shouted out, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. And Jesus asked him, What's your name? And he said, Legion, as the response. A Roman legion was a group of 5,000 soldiers. Apparently, many, many demons were possessing this poor man. Now, we don't speak much about demon possession today except when we want to get people to watch a horror movie. But friends of mine who are missionaries in Jamaica and Haiti have told me that it still happens. And recent events in the news indicates that there are people, even in America, who have simply lost control of themselves. They've turned to evil, and there's no rational reason for the evil that they've done except demon possession. And there are other demons who take over control of people Demons like alcohol, like drugs, like addiction to pain and torture and other sins that I won't speak of today. For there are some evil people, but there are also those who have become possessed by evil so bad, so strong, so horrible, that they cannot get free by themselves. To get free, the power of Jesus, the power of God is needed. They, to begin this process, we need to ask Jesus for help. We cannot do it alone. The man's demons begged Jesus not to send them to the abyss, but instead to send them to a group of pigs feeding nearby. Pigs were the dirtiest animals that the Jews knew of. Jesus gave the demons permission to go to the pigs. And the herd immediately went crazy, rushed down the hill into the lake and was drowned. Even the dirty pigs realized that the demons had made them dirtier. Even those pigs realized that they needed to be baptized, but they weren't strong enough to survive the baptism without help. Those taking care of the pigs ran for town and told the owners of the pigs. When the owners arrived at the scene, they found the man sitting at Jesus' feet. He was dressed, he was sane, and this, this was what frightened them. Even more when the witnesses told them what had happened. The people from the villages then asked Jesus to leave because it was frightening to know 
that there was someone with the power to overcome the demons. Notice that these villagers were more frightened of Jesus than they had been of the demon-possessed man. And we see that today, don't we? Don't we see people who deal every day with drug users and drug dealers but are afraid to come to church? It's much the same position as Elijah was in when Jezebel did not want to believe in Elijah's God, Yahweh, that he was more powerful than her God, Baal. For many people throughout the centuries have preferred to serve evil rather than serve the God of life. Why? Because it's what they've become comfortable with. Many people prefer to serve their demon of alcohol rather than go to an AA meeting. Many people prefer to serve their drug demons rather than attend a 12-step program and follow their process. Many people prefer to live with an abusive spouse or partner rather than visit a church meeting and ask for help. For most people prefer to stay with the demons they're familiar with rather than admit that there's someone who's so much wiser and more powerful who has the answers. For that means that the victim has to admit that they can't get away by themselves, like the man who had been demon-possessed. The man who had formerly been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus back across the lake, but Jesus told him that the man had a more important job to do, return home and tell how much God has done for you, which the man did. He told how much Jesus had done for him, and he began to change the community. For he no longer had to live naked and afraid, living among the death of the tombs. Just like Elijah, he had been reminded that God loved him and would always be with him. He was never alone. Just like many people today who have been released from their lonely prisons by turning to Jesus, whether at a church or an Alcoholic Anonymous or a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, this man realized he was never alone. It's the family of God helping each other. For you see, we mostly feel lonely and afraid, desperate, depressed when we're trying to take on the stresses of the world by ourselves. That's when we collapse. That's when we have breakdowns. We hit bottom. We fall apart. We feel like dying. The problem, you see, is that we were never designed by God to struggle alone. We were designed to be in regular contact with God and the other servants of God, God's family. While I was suffering with COVID, I received email and message after email and message telling me that you were praying for Sandra and me and to call you if we needed anything. That is the family of God working as it should, and I appreciate it. Steve even mowed my lawn. Thank you, Steve. For when we try to live alone in this universe that was created by God, we're trying to become a God ourselves with the power to take on absolutely anything, yet we were never designed for that. We never had that power. We were designed to be instruments of God's power. And that means that we need to bow to God, accepting his help, indeed, his daily leading as the only real God of the universe. As a father on Father's Day, we need to remember this. We're not expected to carry every burden ourselves, but we are expected to set the example for our family of how to work with God, accepting that God knows more than we do and recognizing that turning to God for help is a strength of character, not a weakness. 
for those who are most successful in the long term are those who learn from God's advice, who work within God's system, and who accept that God wants to guide us and help us through our lives. And when we accept that we need God's help just to live in this universe, our life begins to improve. After all, why do you have hands? Why do you think we've been given arms and hands and shoulders? We've been given arms and hands that others from God's family might lift us up. And we've been given shoulders for others to cry upon after we lift them up. Join God's family. See you next week. God willing. Lord, the demons still are thriving in the gray cells of the mind. Tyrant voices shrill and driving, twisted thoughts that grip and bind. Doubts that stir the heart to panic, fears Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.